Take your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17, 3 through 6. The book of Revelation is not the book of Revelations. A lot of people mispronounce it. Look at the book of Revelations. It's a revelation. It means to reveal. Revelation does not mean to hide. It means to reveal. God wrote the book of Revelation so that you and I, as born-again Christians, could know what was going to happen in the end time so we'd not get frustrated, so we'd not get disappointed, so that we'd not despair when we saw things going real bad in this world. Because things are going to go real bad in this world, there's no doubt. And have been going pretty badly if you look at world history. Uh, wars and rumors of wars. But in the, um, the book of Revelation, oftentimes new Christians, there's one of the first books they want to read. Man, this is not the first book you want to read. Uh, you want to read uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John like 20 times over and over and over and learn about who Jesus is. It would be really good for us a new Christian to learn about who Jesus is. Who's the person that purchased my salvation? How did he get here? Who was he? And you got to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, old man, 20 times or so to get that. Then, then go to the book of Acts, the first hundred years of the church, see why we do what we do. And then the books of Romans through Jude are the books of how to live the Christian life. How do you live the Christian life? Romans, through the book of Jude, it tells you very specifically how to live the Christian life. A lot of hard truth there, a lot of, a lot of tough stuff, and you'll have to change quite a bit because... He wants you to be made in the image of Jesus, and there's a lot of good things there. Then the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is a comfort book for those that have been persecuted by the world and wonder what's going to happen. We'll see. Now, the chapter 17 and 18, and I'm not going to take the 20 minutes probably necessary this morning to establish a foundation of why I'm going to say what I'm just going to say. But I could take 20 minutes and explain to you in detail why I'm going to say, but I'm going to I'm at the stage of my career that I'm, I'm just going yeah, to tell it, and you can, you, can, you can figure it out. But chapter 17 and chapter 18 show us the death of the two greatest enemies of the human soul. As a, as a soul, and you're a living soul, you have enemies. The two greatest enemies that you have are re revealed in chapter 17 and chapter 18. Chapter 17 is the enemy of religion. Now, you're going to probably be surprised by that. Some of you aren't familiar with the Bible. But religion is your enemy. And the second enemy, believe it or not, and you won't be too surprised about this, is money. So religion and money. Send more people to hell than any other device that the devil has invented. Because the devil invented religion. And the devil uses the, the natural greed and lust for gain that we have internally to cause us to, wait, to literally invest our lives forgetting God and, and invest our lives in trying to accumulate and possess only to realize at the end of the life that you can't keep it. And the question I always have posed is, is it yours if you never could keep it? It was leased, and it never really was yours. And as much as you may like your stuff, and I don't blame you for liking your stuff, 
you're not going to get to keep it. Somebody much less grateful for it than you is going to get it. Because it'll be free to them, and they really won't value it. That's a typical inheritance situation. And they may even fight and sue each other over it. Uh, but those two things, there are an estimated, and it's going to surprise you because it surprised me, there's an estimated 4,200 religions in the world. What do you think that creates? Confusion. People out there that want to know God, they want to know God. They really want to know the, 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 they want to know the God that made them. And I believe God, and Romans chapter 1 says it's true, draws every man to himself. But the devil's out there blinding the minds of them that would believe and trying to keep them from coming to the one person that can change their whole world, forgive their sins, I mean front to back, forgive them all, under his shed blood, and that's Jesus Christ. So everything in Satan's arsenal is pointed at the soul that wants to know God to try to get him to, one way or another, miss the Lord Jesus Christ. Give Jesus a bad name, give Jesus a bad reputation, give religion, you know. And religion, by the way, earns their bad reputation. They earn it. Christianity, according to the statistics worldwide, is still the largest religion in the world. Now, now understand, I'm referring to this. I'm not referring to Bible Christianity. I'm referring to the religion of Christianity. Uh, Islam is the second one. There are literally thousands of cults. What's a cult? A cult is a group that says you have to be part of our group to go to heaven and have your sins forgiven or be saved. There's a lot of different terms for it. Or to know God. You have to go in, you have to be in our group and obey what we tell you to obey, how we tell you to obey it. And if you don't, you're not going to make it. Now, that's what the dictionary, your Webster dictionary, Funk and Wagner dictionary, um, uh, uh, something pedia, and I can't remember what they call that thing, uh, Wikipedia, uh, will define. A cult is a group of people. Now, Baptists, we do not, Bible-believing Baptists do not say that. You do not have to be part of Gospel Baptist Church or a Baptist to go to heaven. But you, you must receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and put your trust and faith in Him and Him alone to go to heaven. I can tell you that. That's not a cult. Because red or yellow, black or white, call yourself what you want. If you will repent of your sins and trust Christ as your personal Savior, you're going to be cleansed of your sins and go to heaven. Most cults and most religion, religion will tell you to go to heaven, you must perform some work, some good work. These good things that they purport uh, vary one to another quite a bit. Ultimately, you know, try to be good to everybody, uh, don't hurt anybody. Keep some, I mean, some people even say keep the Ten Commandments. Now, ain't nobody in this room kept the Ten Commandments. Nobody. The Bible says all of sin comes short of the glory of God. And if you say you kept the Ten Commandments, you're contradicting the known word of God. Uh, by the way, what Jesus said, if you look at a woman the lust after, you committed adultery in your heart. How many guilty men do we have here? Don't raise your hand. I don't want you to go home and have a big argument. 
It says, usually religion says if you're faithful in doing these good things, you eventually, and I use the word as a lawyer would use it, may go to heaven. I took business law. And I can tell you there's a lot of difference between will and may. Lawyers just love little words. They'll put a contract, and it sounds real convincing. At the end, they'll put may, which just puts them out of it. That means it may or may not, right? And so they'll, they'll say, after you do all that work, and after you invest all that money, and after you put all that effort in, you may go to heaven. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you trust Jesus... For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Over and over again, it said in Romans 10, 9, Thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. That sounds pretty firm to me. And there's no extra performance on that. Christianity is different. Christianity, real Christianity, Bible Christianity is different in its pure form from any other religion. Christianity in its biblical form is not a religion. I'm going to show you why. Only by grace are you saved and forgiven. Only by simple childlike faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you will qualify you for heaven. Works cannot save you. Though, once you get saved, you work. That makes sense, right? It says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which I just quoted, uh, that you're not saved by works of any kind. But once you're saved, it says in verse 10, for ye are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Look it up yourself. Ephesians 2, 10. So once I get saved, I'm, I'm forgiven, and my name's put in the Lamb's book of life. I'm overcome with what? Gratitude. That gratitude spills out everywhere in my life. And I go to God and say, now that you've saved me and forgiven me as a free gift, by the way, I think Bill Rice probably did as good as you're ever going to hear it explain. Now I've received this salvation as a free gift. Lord Jesus, what can I do for you? And he says, well, I'll tell you, here's what you go. Go to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Share it with everybody you know. And then live for me. But God doesn't just drop you there. He gives you power to do it. I think of the thief on the cross. I believe the thief on the cross was saved. That one thief that said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy king was saved. He had no baptism, no, no church membership, no time to do any good work. But Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Why? I, you believe who I am. He said, Lord. He believed who Jesus said he was. Some Maybe he had heard Jesus. Maybe he had heard Jesus preach a few times. We don't know the background. But at first he was railing on Jesus and mocking on Jesus and as the time went on, he got convicted, didn't he? The other one didn't, but he did. And he got saved. So let's read with that in mind. Let's read verses 3 through 6. I'll come back to one later, but let's read verses 3 through 6 of Revelation chapter 17. So he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple, scarlet color decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations of the filthiness of her fornication. And upon her head was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, 
the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered with great admiration or wonder. By the way, who has killed most of the believers historically has been religion. Religion. In the name of God, they kill us. Why do they kill us? Well, I'm going to try to share that with you. But it's generally agreed, and I'm not proving this to you, but I could in the commentaries, the 10 maybe most, most uh, credible commentaries on the book of Revelation agree that chapter 17 shows the death of religious Babylon. Chapter 18 shows the destruction of economic Babylon. We're not, there, we're not going to be there today at all. But two things people, as I mentioned, rely on is money and religion. Uh, the word religion means, why, why is Christianity, biblical Christianity, not religion? Because religion, the very definition of religion, is to bind. To bind. And the very essence of Christianity is to free. If the Son will set you free, you'll be free indeed. I, Christ Jesus sets you free to serve God. It doesn't bind you. Sin binds you. Uh, we have an RU program for just some of the area that sin binds people in. Binds them in drugs, binds them in, you know, eating. Binds them in it's something simple as food, uh, alcohol, drug, name it, uh, sex, all kinds of binding that sin tends to do to people. But Christ will set you free. And brother, you'll be free indeed. And it's a beautiful life. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 4, Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders of his day. By the way, he saved the most, the most, the hardest preaching I've ever read anywhere is Jesus' sermon in Matthew chapter 23. You can look it up later. It's the hardest I ever saw. You never heard anybody preach like that. I never heard anybody preach like that. But Jesus preached like that. And, and in 23 verse 4, he's speaking to the religious leaders. These are people who by all the community are considered to be the holy people. These are people that have disciplined themselves and given their lives to be parts of this religion, Pharisees, Sadducees. He says, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. That also sounds like lawyers. I think America's cursed with too many lawyers. It's not a blessing from God. Now, there are good lawyers. We had a good one here. Chris Powell was a Christian lawyer. He was a judge, a consulman in Detroit, had his own private firm, but he was a godly lawyer and wanted to do the right thing and help people. But these things, what we got on today, that's just to hurt each other. We're, we're suing each other to death. The religions of the world put burdens on people too heavy to be born, and they don't take their little finger to try to lift it off. But grace-based salvation is easy in comparison. Why? Because God, when you get when you come to Jesus Christ and 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 be willing to turn from your sin and trust Him as your personal Savior, He gives you the Holy Spirit. No, you're not that your bodies are the temple of God and uh, of, the, of the Holy Spirit in whom God dwells. I, 
You, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you want to look it up, that's fine. Uh, two different places in Corinthians, it says we are the temple of the Holy, we're where God dwells. Now look, God himself didn't leave us alone when we got saved. He comes in, he dwells within us. The, the Holy Spirit's considered the down payment or the earnest of our salvation. Then with that Holy Spirit, he empowers us to live godly, soberly, and righteously in this present world. Uh, he, the believer simply believes and cooperates with God in obedience. I say, Lord Jesus, help me, and he helps me. I used to, I was smoking when I got right with God, and I was addicted horribly. And uh, I said, God, this isn't going to work. This smoking thing is destroying my body. And there's a special curse to people that destroy their body. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm saved. Don't, just don't mess with it. And so I thought, well, I got to quit that. And that's when smoking was popular, by the way. All the movie stars smoked. Everybody that was anything smoked. John Wayne smoked. And if John Wayne smoked, I mean, you know. You can't be against smoking. You're an American. Especially if we live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. But anyway. I said, God, I need to quit smoking. Help me. Personally, I don't think I would be able to do it. But God did it. And all these years, I haven't smoked. All these years. He saved me from that. The, gr the great horror of religion is misleading, lying to, viciously condemning its followers to hell. Why? Because the false promises that the that religion is making to people steers them away or sours them to Jesus Christ and the truth. Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I think that's pretty exclusive. What do you think? I mean, I, you know, religion wants to say there's many ways to heaven. You've got that little sticker that said coexist. I think Bill Rice mentioned the sea is the crescent moon. I don't think they want to coexist. I think they want to cut everybody's head off that passes the sea. I mean, come on. The devil, the flesh, religion, and the world are in a joint effort to keep people away from the Jesus Christ. Uh, why do people cuss in Jesus' name? Why don't they cuss in Muhammad's name? You know, or even in our own country, which I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I'm saying this almost like an out-of-body experience. In our own country, they restrict prayer from being done in schools, but they allow Islamics to pray. Islamic has now become the honeymoon religion of the United States, the, the preferred religion. What is, they let these women, don't start on it, Bill. Don't start on it. Religion restricts the Bible, restricts the Ten Commandments, restricts almost everything that touches the Bible or Christianity that can, that can save your soul. Why do they do that? Well, let me just tell you what the Bible says, why they do it, and I'll show you later. They hate it. They hate Christianity. They hate biblical Christianity. They hate who it represents, God, Jehovah God, and Jesus Christ. They hate what the Bible teaches. By the way, do you believe this? John chapter 3, verse 19 says, Jesus' words, Jesus' words. 
This is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Didn't say didn't like it. Said hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved. The great whore in our passage is described as committing fornication with the world's people. Let me describe that. Let's read, by the way. Go back to Revelation chapter 17 there. Let me read the first four verses again. There came one of the seven angels, which the seven vials, and talked with me, and saying to me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. Inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So she carried me away in a spirit. So we carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting upon scarlet colored beasts full of names. Blasphemy, we had read that. This woman is described as, and, and government has always used religion, and religion has used government as a power struggle. You know, if you know anything about history, this, this woman is filthy rich. Because religion is about money. Religion is about power. Religion is, about, is, is ostentatious in her looks. Look at what they build in the name of religion. Look at the gold. Look at the stone. Look at the ostentatious areas of worship they build around the world. Look at the pyramids, for that matter, right? There's over a few thousand pyramids in Peru, many of them hidden by the jungle. All that was done in the name of religion. She loves purple and scarlet and gold and jewels. Religion loves abominations, homosexuality, immorality of every kind, and greed. She loves fornication. The word fornication is pornea. It's where we get our word pornography. 17 times in the Bible, God's people are committing fornication on God. What is fornication? Ultimately, in its base Level, it's disloyalty. It is an unholy union. It is unfaithfulness. It is a betrayal of God and of truth. This great whore will someday be judged. Revelation 19.2 says, For the true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. I, I say today, religion is an enemy of truth. People, as I go door to door, house to house, restaurants, talk to them about Christ, they're turned off for the most part. They're turned off. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to discuss it. In fact, they'll tell me two things I don't discuss, religion politics. You've heard that? You've heard that? Religion politics. Who, who teaches them on that? Because religion, they may have been looking for God and looking for honesty and looking for integrity and looking for purity. And so they went, they, they attached to a church of some kind uh, that wasn't really biblical-based or Bible-based or Holy Spirit-empowered. And what they found was, was hypocrisy. 
and that nothing will turn a seeker of God off faster than hypocrisy. That's people saying that they're holy when they're not holy. That's people saying they want to do God's will, but on the side, they're not. In other words, nobody's perfect. I understand that. But an honest seeker of God will not continue to disobey God. He'll repent of that thing. Religion has turned people off from even listening to the truth. Most of you go door to door understand People say, well, how are you going to get to, I say, how are you going to get to heaven? They say, well, I'm going to just try to make it on my own. I hope when I go to God, you know, my good works out by my back. Well, you don't even know what God's requirements are. You've never read the Bible, or maybe you've read it one time, but you're not going to get it one time. You've got to look at this book. Your soul is hanging on the balance. Do you know this morning that you're going to die, right? Do you know in 100 years there will be nobody in this room alive? You say, Brother Bill, I am. Okay, all right. Well, you won't be in good shape. And who I'm talking to is actually in the nursery this morning, and they don't even know what I'm saying. But none of you in this room, and I'm pretty confident of this, none of you in this room are going to go over 100 years from now. And you're going to face God. This isn't about Bill Lytell. This is not about Gospel Baptist. This is not about Baptist. This is about your soul. This is about your facing Jesus Christ eyeball to eyeball someday and answering for the things done in your body, whether they be good or bad. Will he say to you, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter to the joy of thy Lord? Or will he say, depart from me, accursed, into everlasting fire, I never knew you. All I can say, whatever he says to you is going to be permanent. It's going to be, you're not going to be able to argue your way out. That is not the time to change your mind. That is not the time to bring up reasoning because you're not going to be able to do it. The Bible says in Romans 2, every mouth will be stopped. You're not going to be there arguing or reasoning. Now's the time to make your mind up, folks. Amen. Now's the day. Today's the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Now's the time to, to seek what God wants from you. Go to, go to John chapter 3 and read it over and over again. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, read it over and over again. Go to Romans chapter 10, read it over and over again. Find verses on salvation and say, Is this, have I done this? Have I, am I really right with God? Have I trusted Christ as my Savior? How do we know Jesus of all the 4,200 religions? How do we know Jesus Christ is the one? The resurrection. God knew that there were, Jesus said, after me there'll be many that say I'm the Christ. Don't, don't follow. You know, he says that. He told them, hey, you know, after me there's going to be many folk. How do we know it's the right one? Who did God resurrect? The one that was resurrected was God's seal that this, of all these false Christ, how many lies can, how many lies can there be? An infinite, infinite amount, right? But how many, how many truths can there be? A truth is singular in nature. Truth is truth. A lie, pff, you can make up all kinds of fairy tales. That's what definition of fiction is, by the way. It's not the truth. And so, if there is a truth, and there is, and God is truth, and Jesus said he was the truth, 
and he was the way, and he died on the old rugged cross, and he said it was his blood, and he said he died for you or in your place and took upon himself your sin. All of that is said about Jesus. What makes him true from all the rest of them people that said that was he was resurrected from the dead. The third day, he was witnessed alive after the crucifixion, over 500 credible witnesses. He was witnessed alive after the resurrection by the 11 uh, apostles uh, that he had handpicked. He was, he was uh, a witness alive from the dead by the lady, by the women and things, uh, Mary, Mary Magdalene, others that were around him, uh, the people that followed him. He was witnessed alive by those folks. If it wasn't true, don't you think people would have come up and said, that wasn't true, he wasn't, but they couldn't refute the witness. And when, we, when you trust Christ, your personal Savior now, the Holy Spirit comes in and becomes a witness to you. And His Spirit witnesses with my spirit that I'm part of the family of God. Wow. But not only does the Holy Spirit witness that I'm part of the family of God, the Bible witnesses that I'm part of the family of God. I can read the Word of God now, and it gives me assurance of my salvation. Based not on what my mom and dad said, not on what my grandpa and grandpa said, not on what some priest said or some some uh, uh, teacher said, but on what the Word of God says. You know what we're about here at Gospel? We're about what this book says. We're about what this book says, because this is the book that your soul hangs on right here, this book. I want you to get this straight this morning. Religion has an unholy hatred for us. It's an ancient hatred. Almost all and every form of religion hates us as born-again Christians. Why? They hated him. Jesus said, they're going to hate you because they hated me before they hated you. He said, if they did me good, they'll do you good. If they did me wrong, basically, the way they treated Jesus is the way they think of us. Religious people will be the ones to hold you while someone cuts your throat. Why? They're thinking they're doing God a favor. How do I know that? The Bible says so. John chapter 16, verse 2 and 3 says, Jesus' words, by the way, they shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think he doeth God service. <laughs> I think this last election, we were close to that. All these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father or me. That's Jesus' words. You can dispute them how you want. But the, if I may say something strange right now, the beauty of the tribulation period is that it shows us God's final wrath and judgment on this great whore called religion that sent so many people to hell that has kept so many people back from the gospel, that has confused so many people when it comes to their souls. And I thank God this morning that the Bible's been given to us, that you were able to read the Bible, that you're able to come to a Bible-preaching church, that we can still meet without fear of persecution. You know what the United States is? It's a bubble Historically, the United States of America is an, is an anomaly. You know what an anomaly is? That's something very unusual. 
Most places are not friendly to Bible Christianity, but the United States is. Why? Because God allowed the pilgrims to come over here. Why did the pilgrims come over here? They were persecuted. By what? Religion. The Church of England. You, and I'm talking about like they killed those people. And so eventually they said, we got to get out of here. They're going to kill us. So they, these, good, these good people are going to kill us because we're not going to worship the way they want us to. And so they came over here, risked their lives. Many of them died on the way over here, and they laid a seed. And that seed sprung up into a constitution that protected people that wanted to express themselves uh, any way they wanted to express themselves, at least given freedom to worship. And brother, it's been paid for. That seed has been watered with the blood of soldiers and the blood of saints from that time to now. And I, for one, I'm not going to stand by or sit by and watch it be legislated away. God is not dead, but religion's going to die. And we can rejoice this morning. Someday that old, that falseness is going to be gone. There's going to be one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. And those that have trusted by simple childlike faith in him. Have you? Do you know this morning if you died, you'd go to heaven? You know the beauty of being saved is the Holy Spirit will give you assurance that you're saved. I believe as Bill Rice preached on the verses, often quoted, uh, these things are written unto you that you may believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know you're saved. You say, well, Brother Bill, I hope I am. If you say I hope or I may, I wouldn't let my soul hang on those two words. We can show you in the Bible, before you leave the premises, we can show you in the Bible what it means to know you have eternal life. Not based on gospel Baptist, not based on the communion, not based on good works, not based on any other, but based on simple childlike faith in what God has already done for you. Jesus has already died. He's already been resurrected. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession right now for you and me. It's a beautiful place to be. By the way, we born-again Christians will be there when the great whore is destroyed. We'll be there. Father, thank you this morning for the Word of God. Thank you that we're not left in the dark. Thank you that we don't have to wonder what's going to happen in the end of the age. What's going to happen in the end of the world? You show us. And as thy word, 50% of prophecy has been fulfilled exactly as it was stated. Why wouldn't the next 50% be fulfilled exactly the way it was stated? Father, help us this morning. May the Holy Spirit go up and down these aisles. And if there be one here without Jesus or personal Savior, may today they nail that thing down. May they come, let us pray with them, talk to them, show them in the word of God. Maybe here is a Christian. Oh, don't you be deceived. People say, well, well, Brother Bill, I'm discouraged. There's so many religions. Don't be discouraged. The Bible said it would happen. Trust in Christ. Trust in the Word of God. Lean upon it. Put your weight on it. It won't let you down. And don't you let yourself get caught up with a great whore and, and, and turned off on the truth. Father, help. There's folks here this morning that are struggling right now. They're struggling right now, wrestling right now. 
May they say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand again. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.